Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, I say another episode, it's been a while, guys. Sorry for the delay. Um, yeah, uh, if you are a new listener and you've just uh, picked up because we've just done that guest appearance on Riot Axe podcast, um, welcome. We're glad to have you along. Please follow us on our socials. They're all listed at the end of the podcast. Uh, yeah, but thank you for coming along for the ride. If you don't know what the concept of this podcast is, we are reviewing every single uh, number one album in the UK album charts of the 1990s. We're doing it week on week this is season four we're talking about 1993 uh this week we are talking about suede's self-titled album do we like it do we not uh, who knows i've been kind of half looking forward to this one half dreading because i've always fucking hated suede so you'll find out whether my opinion has changed or not at all as we go into this um sorry for the delay as i say we've been super super busy chris has been ready getting the pub up but to be honest with you, most of the delays as always are from me i've been running you know over 10 comedy shows a week throughout brighton fringe um, just back now doing the Warren at the Beach late shows. Uh, they're down at the Warren on the Beach site. You can Google that uh, every Thursday, Friday and Saturday. If you find yourself in Brighton and you want to see some amazing pro-level comedy, come and see those. Tickets are only £10. We've got wonderful lineups. Um, but yeah, hopefully we're going to be a little bit more on track now. I've said that before and we haven't been, but fuck it, it's free. What can you do? We had a lot of fun recording this episode. Uh, hope you'll enjoy listening to it. Later. Yes, yes, people. Uh, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. As always, my name is Dave Fensom. I am here with my good buddy, Mr. Chris DeGreer. Hello, everyone. Uh, we've got Waffles the Dog in the room. Have we got Waffles the Dog in the uh, room? He's not under me. He's somewhere wandering. Oh, he's, he's around, man. He he's was in the room. He's been chasing a ball. Yeah, I mean, we, we are in the studio. Mmm. The studio. Mate, it actually Stu- is. Stu- like a studio. studio. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, sorry, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. Been a while since we've been able to record. Uh, long story short, fucking busy, as always. We've also been guesting on other people's podcasts. I know, mate. Yeah, we're recording this just at the end of July, and uh, it's just been released, the, the, the collaboration we did with the Riot Act guys, who very kindly asked us on. It was so nice of them to, to think of us, and it was a lot of fun to record. Yeah, big up to Stephen and Renfrey. If you uh, if you listen to our podcast, you like what we do, um, and you haven't checked out Riot Act, go and check them out. I hope you'll uh, mm. uh, have a listen to what they're doing. Uh, our, our podcast we did with them at the moment, currently number one in the podcast charts for our category. Absolutely mental. So yeah, there yeah. we go. A little bit of a humble brag there. Uh, obviously, it's their podcast, not ours. But uh, but you know, we exactly. like, we're in the title of it. So we're in the title. We clear you know, a bit of it. It's yeah, brilliant. No, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a uh, it, it, it's such a strange collaboration. You who would have thought that a, a podcast that's two white blokes talking about music mm-hmm. uh, would have invited another two white blokes talking about music yeah. uh, together. But you know, strangely. As, as different as our worlds are, our <laughs> alchemy was sublime. <laughs> no, it was really good fun. So thank you again to them. 
Anyway, so um, what we're we here to do today, Mr. Christopher? Right, so yeah, we are, uh, we're still in 1993. This is the, the fifth number one album of 1993, and it is the debut by Suede, the self-titled debut album Suede. Nice. And it was number one for one week only, and it's also the week after Depeche Mode's last uh, the last episode uh, so we're going straight into uh, another one it was number one from the 4th of April to the 10th of April so we're still in sort of springtime and it was one of the big ones uh, you know everyone was talking about this album yeah. at the time of release it was in all the press and that sort of stuff you know everyone when you think of this you think of the massive hype that Suede had at the time Absolutely. Um, even if you you know even if you didn't give a shit or you actively disliked them at the time you couldn't escape them they were a part of the music scenery for a long time Absolutely, and I guess that takes you to where I was with mm-hmm. it. In that I was at sixth form college when you know these singles started coming out, yeah. um, and you know the kind of that enemy melody maker side of the press were like wanking themselves blue about this band as if they were the second coming of Absolutely. Christ. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I very, very, very much took against that. I, mm-hmm. you know, it was not playing to the things I was interested in in music at that time. Sure. That kind of fey, effete, kind of androgynous thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I look back and I kind of, you know, I wonder, you know, why I was, I took against it so much. There was probably a little bit of unconscious homophobia in there somewhere. You know, I'd just come out of a school where uh, the number one insult that people uh, would give you was, oh, you're gay. And I didn't really understand much about Mm -hmm. any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, There was probably a little bit of internalised homophobia there. Right. uh, Which is saying, obviously, is is not the same these days. Yes, it's externalised now. But, but yeah, it's (laughs) externalised now, obviously. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, and, and, you know, I I, I guess I didn't have some of the the cultural uh, reference points that the people that were so excited about it did have. And I just saw it as a little bit kind of art school, effete, pretentious, um, and, you know, th- there was one big obvious problem with this band for me, and I'll get into it as we talk about the record. Sure, okay. So th- this band, were to me, were the enemy. I, d- I-, I yeah. did not like this band. I did not. They were, you know, when their songs came on the club, I would fucking moan about it to people. I'd right. complain. I thought I thought this band were about as shit as I could hate a band. I see. Right. Well, another part of that surely is, I think they intended it, but they were also talked about in the press as a reaction to a lot of the stuff that you would have liked at the time. They were supposedly the kind of the antithesis of the American rock scene. Yeah. And all that sort of, uh, this that seriousness and uh, earnestness, they were supposedly, uh, the, you know, something that only the, the English could do. And uh, if you didn't like grunge, then here was a safe haven for you, that sort of a thing. And so, you know, if you were very into that, that scene sure. and someone came along and went, well, we don't like that and therefore this is what we're going to do instead... You'd be forgiven of going, well, fuck you, I don't care then. And that's it as well. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're younger, um, and fuck knows why you're listening to this podcast oh, if Jesus. you are. Um, but, you know, like music was an awful lot more tribal in the 90s. We discussed mm-hmm. this a bit, but, you know, you kind of had your tribe. And, you know, when uh, at the regional rock clubs that we grew up in, because, you know, I mean, I, I guess it was different in Belfast, but certainly in Luton where, where we met, uh, because, like, the club was only big enough so the town was only big enough to support one alternative club that supported all the genres. Yeah. There was always this kind of, I guess, semi-uncomfortable 
yet also comfortable meeting of tribes in the same place. We all had to right. kind of coexist and say, yeah. you know, we were all, and we were all waiting for for that that time when it was time for three or four of our records to be on. You gotcha. know, and you know, you'd have to change into the guard. Here, here go the goths. Here come the indie kids with yeah. it. You know, and it's all like dark dark leather into flowery shirts. Oh, and here come here come the kids that like hardcore and hip hop with their chain wallets and their baggy jeans. Right, yeah. which yeah, was my absolutely. kind of fucking vibe. But yeah, it was all quite ridiculous when you look at it. Uh, Back. Oh, indeed, but that's that's what you just were used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I came from a different musical background to you, in as much as I really liked indie music at yes. the time, I was a big fan of uh, a lot of indie bands. If, you know, from kind of nineteen ninety onwards. And so whenever uh, Suede came through, you know, that first single mid mid ninety two that we're getting talked about from early ninety two, and the first single coming out. I was interested. I was uh, I was excited to hear what this uh, band was, and I was reading all of the music press at that point. You know, I was reading Melody Maker and Enemy at the time every single mm-hmm. week. I was reading Select and Vox every month. I was following as much as I could in in as many different bits as I could. And Suede were one of the big ones, sure. and so I was um, interested to hear what was going to happen. Yeah. I must admit, I never owned the album on this. Okay. Um, in the same, same way as, you know, we talk often about this, you know. Um, it was just wasn't one of the ones that I needed to, to have when it re- was released. And I thought to myself, when I was doing the research on this, I was, you know, listening through it, I thought, I don't know if I've ever heard this album through before. I oh, wasn't really? sure if I had. But I now think I must have done, because there are album tracks on here that I do recognise and remember, and okay. there's no way that I would have just I mean, if you're hang- happened upon them. If you're hanging in those circles, someone's going to have it on in the it, background. It must have been the case. It absolutely must be the case. So I must have heard this at some point before. I'm, I'm not as completely blank slate as I thought I might be on this. Okay, well, let's start as we do then by looking at the cover. Yes, yes. Okay, so we've got this kind of androgynous couple mm-hmm. kissing, kind of very brightly overexposed, um, looking a little bit like when uh, when Mr. Burns goes nuclear. No, right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I bring you love. <laughs> He's trying to bring us love. <laughs> Break his knees. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, there's a very popular term in uh, in popular culture at the moment, which is queer baiting. A lot of people get accused of queer baiting. Oh, really, yeah. This is queer baiting. It's fine. This isn't it? Oh, this it is, uh, is. You know, I, I mean, obviously, Brett Anderson with his uh, his thing in the press was, "Oh, I'm a bisexual man that's never had a homosexual experience." Yeah, yeah, big quote. Yeah, and he, he has said since then. He said he kind of regrets saying that because it it was taken very seriously and it was you know uh, reproduced all over the place. Yeah, and it was one of these off the cuff remarks that he was just basically trying not to put a label on his sexuality, and he put that label on. That was. Yeah, it was just stamped on him forever. But yeah, the cover of this is uh, it, it is it's two women kissing, mm-hmm. uh, but it, that isn't necessarily obvious. It's not instantly. Oh, that's definitely two women. You could think it's a man and a woman. You could think it's two men. Yeah. And so that was the absolute point of it was to stir up a little bit of controversy. Yeah. Um, reflect the band's androgynous appeal. Yeah. Um, and it it did what it. It did what they meant it to do. It certainly seems like a fairly trite and straight ahead way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess we have to kind of reflect on the fact that you know uh, the early nineties were a lot, you know, were an awful lot more homophobic than 
they are than yeah. times are now. Yeah, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, there's still an awful lot of homophobia that exists, and certainly, you know, I'm, I'm not the right person to comment on it. But you know, it was a very, very common stance. You know, that no, sure. there, there were no out kids at my high school, for right, example. Sure. Whereas that would be quite an uncommon situation now, from what I understand. Yeah, probably true. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, exactly. This was a statement. It was a, a kind of a calling card to uh, any you know, kids or teenagers who probably did feel a little bit um, that they couldn't uh, be who they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, you know, putting the flag up, the flagpole and going, come, come and listen to us. We're one of you guys. Sure. And, it, you know, and it builds on, you know, a fairly long and proud glam rock tradition as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you see some of the titles they considered before uh, landing on Just Suede, by the way? No, I didn't. Um, some of the ones uh, that I noticed are Half Dog, Animal Lover, which is one of the songs, mm-hmm. and I Think You Stink. And I've no idea why that was even mooted at any point. I Think You Stink. I Think You Stink. Yeah. Here's the debut album by Suede, I Think You Stink. What? That would not have sold as well. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I look at members of Suede and I... <laughs> Mate, it was, it was do, the early but... 90s. They, were, they lived in squalor in London. Yeah. Right, yeah. okay, let's uh, crack in at this end. First yeah. track is called So Young... Yes, so opening track, here we are. That's the, the classic indie drum beat. Oh, and there we go. That's the, the sound of uh, Suede's guitar right there. Clangy guitar. Nine. So far, so indie schmindy. But, yeah, mm-hmm. we've an, immediately got, like, the Brett Anderson's incredibly divisive voice. Yes, that, that was the very first thing. Whenever I put this song on, yeah. first song, five seconds in... And he's doing that voice. Yeah. My first thought was, how is Dave going to react to this? Look, it is a problem to me. His is voice. It? Okay. It's 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 not it, it's not pleasing to me. He's got this thing that he does where he he overemphasizes his regional accent, right? And it's an affectation, right? Yeah. It's obviously it's done deliberately. I think you know if it, it feels like he's kind of aping Bowie in yeah. in that regard. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't much like it when he goes fully down that line and, mm-hmm. and and then he often goes from that into that falsetto right um which i have less of a problem with um but you know it, it it's it, i mean it's, it's very much a marmite voice and, oh it definitely is but, I, but it was what, at the time as well yeah, but what I, and, and that was the thing i had the when i said uh, the thing i'll get into going this was the thing i had the major fucking I'm problem sure. with yeah, i just yeah. hated everything about brett anderson I hate his weak chin. <laughs> I hated his fucking hair. His floppy fringe. Yeah, I uh-huh. hated all of it, right? I hated everything about it, right? I hated the fact that he was getting way more pussy than I was. Mm. Um, I'm joking. But, you know, um, <laughs> but look, right? It's not as much of a problem to me in this song, on this listen through, as okay. I thought it may have been. Really? I mean, whenever you went into this, were you going, oh, God, I fucking hate this guy's voice. This is going to be painful from the start. I mean, I there's a point uh, that I would kind of discuss in the next one where I was like, this was an, an album that I was very open to the idea that my ideas may have changed about it. Okay, right. sure. Going well, we've said it. this before, actually. Yeah. You know, we have said, you know, we, you know, we knew this was going to be coming up and we've talked about some singles before. Yeah. And you were like, you were interested to see how it sat with you. In 2021. Sure, because yeah. a lot of the things that would have been reference point for this band making this record uh, that I would have been completely unfamiliar with at, you know, 17 when sure. this came out, 
you know, I mean, I've spent an awful lot of time listening, you know, to Bowie. I've spent time listening right, sure. to, you know, kind of Velvet Underground, and you know, I've you know, I've spent time listening to the Smiths. Even, mm. um, you know, I kind of have a better perspective of what I like and what what I don't like from from that world now and it's no longer like a kind of them and us situation right okay um but I mean what I will say is in this song that whole kind of let's trace the dragon line it just it yeah. still feels quite try hard on the nose a bit hack it's like a bit right. my standard uh comeback for this is it's not a very good uh reference if you don't know the original thing but um uh, adam and joe did a sketch taking the piss out of really serious student uh drama right. called speeding on the needle bliss oh right, right. i don't remember it all right speeding on the needle bliss right you, you just google it watch her uh, speeding on the needle bliss from the adam and joe show uh-huh. and it, this is kind of that, that that i would say that that line is a little bit speeding on the needle bliss right, right. I saw, okay i get where you're coming from then fair yeah. enough the song in itself to me is not particularly interesting verse chorus mm-hmm. it, it all it feels very indie schmindy like songs that have come before it songs that have come after it not like i don't feel like it was breaking any musical barriers yeah, sure. at the time um yes it, it gets to the uh the bridge and it gets a little bit more interesting musically i'm like oh, okay i can see some little bits of flair in here some nice bits of guitar work that run through it oh are you talking about the, the guitar when it's just like that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't really like that sound. Yeah. I thought I would because I, you know, remember liking a lot of the singles. Yeah. Um, and this was the fourth single. I don't remember this one as much because uh, it didn't get played in the clubs yeah. so much. But I, I didn't really like the guitar sound on this one, even though it is very stereotypical suede. Whatever he's doing um, in the solo re- kind of grated on me. Okay, fair but, yeah, but you 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 liked what he was doing in that bit. Yeah, I mean, I I, yeah. I mean, liked his putting it a long way. But what I was right. saying is, I went, okay, there's stuff in this that I can I can see. Okay, I can see that this the stuff in here that's a little bit different. Sure. you know, right. I can see that this guy can play the guitar a little bit. Um, and you know, but I mean, as I say, there were some lovely bits here and there. I mean, you know, you've got the whole kind of the, is this a pro hedonism song or is it a, a reflection mm-hmm. on being lost in drugs? You know, I'm not entirely sure. You know, there's a whole let's chase the dragon out of our home, and it's yeah. like. It sounds an awful lot like a young man with a somewhat unhappy upbringing uh, reflecting on bigger themes and stories. Like I, I don't necessarily mm. know if I believe that at, at this point in his life he's had problems with that kind of drug. I know that he would later on. Um, apparently, this is about the overdose of one of his girlfriends. Right. So okay, he he yeah. had it was a, a life experience he had had. Okay. And because whenever they wrote. Uh, this album, I think he was already about 25. Right. Um, some of the band were younger, but he and, I'm assuming, Matt Osman were about the same age because they met in Sixth Form College. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Osman plays bass. So he had been in a few bands already, hadn't made it any anywhere, but this was the big one. And he had done some stuff. He'd been with Justine Frischman, uh, right. latter of Elastica, mm-hmm. uh, by this point. I don't know if she is the girlfriend who overdosed or not, mm-hmm. but it is apparently it is about an, an incident Okay, it's based on that, right? Yeah, I mean, okay, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't know that without the background. Mm-hmm. Um, does does that really change how I feel about the song? I don't think it does. Right, it's not going to make me turn the radio off if it comes on six music. Okay, but I'm probably not going to seek it out. No, fair enough. Like I said, I don't really remember this one too well. Uh, I do remember it because it was a single, and I will have heard it, you know, many times. But it doesn't stick with me in the same way that some of the bigger singles do. And I would say this. 
this is absolutely 50-50 for me. I, I don't get on board with it. It's a little bit morose, um, which I usually like, but it's not interesting enough to to make me want to grab onto it more. I don't mind his voice, but I do think, I, I, the same way as you're saying, it is an affectation, and that is a bit of a, a turn-off for me. Like, yeah. he's doing something deliberately to be a bit fucking weird, and I'm like, mate, just sing. You know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the ones that I think he does it more on. Um, there are some that were it's more in the background, that sort of stuff. But th- this is quite high up in the mix, him yelping along. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that the melody is that good. Uh, I think that at the end of the song, whenever it is just going round and round and round, it's like, wait, okay, we're, I'm done with this song mm-hmm. now. Move on. Um, there's, there's a certain catchiness to some of the verses, but... No, for for me, this isn't uh, a great opener, you know. No, uh, no, I I, no. I don't think so either. I I think yeah, okay. Well, it, and weirdly, lyrically as well, I thought right whenever I was looking at this, um, I thought I'm going to have issues with this because it's another one where he's deliberately being oblique and obtuse, and mm-hmm. I don't understand what he's talking about. And also, and I know that sometimes you just get a feel from the words, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure many of the fans in 93 were like, he's speaking to me. I get what he's saying, even if I don't quite understand every single bit, but it doesn't do it for me. That's That's not where I'm coming from. And so there's lines like, we'll scare the skies with tiger's eyes. Don't really know what you're talking about there. High in the city where the skyline stained the snow. That's sixth form poetry. Yeah, to man, me. It, really it, it feels insanely pretentious. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how it does. You know, and I like some pretentious shit, right? Yeah. But for me, the best pretentious kind of lyrics at that time pose you with questions. Mm. I, I read that and I go, oh, I wonder if it means that. I wonder if it means that. I wonder. Okay. And this doesn't pose me with those kind. This doesn't give me a set of crossroads to to follow lines of thought on. Yeah. This just gives me some fairly black and white questions that I'm not that interested to the answers. Right, for. fine. Fine. Okay. Yeah, I mean I rarely even think about lyrics as as we've said many times on this. But if there is a big riff and a big hook to a song, I will let pretty much anything slide lyrically yeah, yeah, because that, you know, you know, I will I will just get get along with the groovers. I mean this doesn't have that for me, so I'm like, nah, not really, thanks. All right, well, that's kind of, I think it's a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a miss for both of us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame because it is the first one, and I imagine you know they have thought about this. They have deliberately put this as the first song um, because this is probably the image and the kind of setting the tone that they want. Yeah, you know, they don't want to go in with one of the big singles, which is maybe a bit more rocky or more straightforward. They have gone for this one, which is more down and a bit strange and that's fine that's their fucking choice fine all right well let, let, let's 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 spend no more time with it then let's move on to uh the second one i think i guess this is the the way that most people discovered suede a lot of this well a lot. Um, i mean this was this would have been well let, let's let's play this is animal nitrate yeah and this was it was the third single See, I used to fucking hate this song. Right, okay. I, I used to absolutely yeah. hate this song. And I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh, that's quite nice. Mm-hmm. The beat comes in underneath it. Yeah. It is a good little riff. See, and, and this is... Uh, this is 
this this song still played a lot on Six Music. Yeah, but this is one of the big ones, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and. Often when I say that thing, which I which I say far too much on this podcast, which is, uh, you know, the music you hated, all right, when you were younger than you know the music you like now. Yeah, this is a prime. This is probably the number one song I think about when I. Think oh, really? Of, That's your stereotype yeah. for that. It's either that or Common People by Pulp. Right. right okay. Which I also used to hate um, and now love also. Okay. Um, and this song has definitely got its hooks into me over the years. Yeah, has it? Yeah, okay. for sure, man. I think this is... Is it one of those, what, you would never have admitted it for the first sort of four or five years of it coming out? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably longer than that. It's, oh, it's right. probably taken me t- fucking best part of 20 years to understand that I like this song. Right, okay. Um, okay. But I, I do, man. It's, you know, there's too many big moments in it, you know. I, I don't necessarily... This chorus is really catchy, it's isn't really it? It's really good. Really God. fucking wicked. The over the 21. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... There's weird compression on the vocals that's, that that I don't like, that, okay. and that's that's throughout this album. There's like kind of weird phases and compressors on the right. on the vocals that do odd things, and I don't like that. This is a fucking nice little uh, the, the, the solo here, solo bridge. Yeah, yeah totally, man. Um, I, I don't like his voice, but but you kind of couldn't separate this song and that voice. No, absolutely, it's, it's central to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. I remember this coming out, and it, like I said, it was the third single. And this was, it got the highest of the singles. It got to number seven. Um, and it was just before the album dropped. This was out in the March of 93. Album comes out like a couple of weeks later. Um, and this was massive in the clubs. This was instantly, you know, floor filler because Suede were still on their upwards incline. Yeah. You know, everyone was still into it and, and the hype was only increasing. And so whenever this came out, it was straight away people asking for it and a, a dance floor filler. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. It's just fucking catchy. It's really good song. It is. And this, this was almost like an anthem for people I didn't like. Right, yeah. Like, I, I look back on that and I look back at it with a, a disdain for myself. Yeah, what can you do? You know, we're, we're all dickheads. We were all dickheads when we were young. Yeah, we yeah. Are, you know, and I, you know, I was annoyed about this. Um, and yeah, I, I do I, I do very much like this song. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's a fucking big pop song, man. It's, yeah. And that's what it's, it's what it's supposed to be. It's a big kind of sexually ambiguous kind of dirty, provocative. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah and pop again, song. this Great. is, yeah, that's the other thing. Um, it is a, a pop song, and it was top ten, and they were doing it on top of the pops, and it was you know it was a big tune, but it is also about you know really sleazy, scummy sex in yeah. bedsits and that sort of stuff, and so it feels a little bit naughty, possibly incest, po- <laughs> and possibly animals, fucking yeah. animal nitrate, yeah. Um, I but I must say I do really like that title as well. I think that's a oh, nice yeah. bit of wordplay. Yeah. Um, and, and it's about drugs. There's drugs references all the way through and gay sex. You know, it, uh, in your council home, he jumped on your bones. Now you're taking it time after time. It's it's very uh, evocative imagery, uh, you know, that, that these lines spark off. Um, well, he said to you, he show you his bed and the delights of the chemical smile. And it, it, it's, it, that is still Ponzi, but it sits on the right side for yeah. me and tied with that big fucking riff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you do what you want at this point. Yeah, Not a great, problem great anymore. Enjoy it's that. grubby and sordid, and it's you know it's English suburbia. It's all those things that they wanted to to talk about and play around with, and it it just absolutely works the whole time. And like you say, that guitar solo, the sound he has on his guitar, very very glam rock, very Bowie on that. That's the sort of thing I do want to hear. I like that sound as opposed to the one in, in track one. You know, it's it's top quality. 
Cool. All right, well, let's do track three. So track three is She's Not Dead. And so this is the first one that isn't a single. Okay. And it's got a very different feel to it, uh, yeah, straight it's away. Kind of got, it's kind of odd, kind of mellow, almost jazzy feel to it, really, All isn't right, it? yeah. And this was, this was uh, whenever I listened to this one, it brought it home to me that I must have heard this album before, because I, I remember this. Okay. I remember the tune. I don't remember anything else about it, but I remember the tune. And this wasn't a single, and this wouldn't have been played in clubs. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've never heard this before, but it's certainly, you know, it's kind of got that kind of trippy, psychedelic, laid-back mm-hmm. uh, feel to it. Um, Did you see what this was about? The, uh, uh, yeah, about suicide of his mark. aunt. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, indeed, a joint suicide of his aunt and her lover, who was black, um, in the early 80s I think yeah. in Hayward's Heath mm-hmm. where such things apparently were frowned on to such an extent that she would have been getting some shit for that yeah, absolutely. and they both uh, they both turned on their car exhaust and parked in the garage it's fucked up man fucked up and like uh, Brett's voice here has much less of that kind of willfully construed right. tonality in it right yep he's obviously kind of aiming for Melody here somewhat. Yeah, well, he, he wants to show some emotion. And yeah, I mean, it's a very, very different song um, to the others. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if we're talking about it in terms of a pop song, it's not a super, super poppy song. It's not aiming to have a big hook in it or anything no, along no, those no. lines. No, there are bits of it. You know, that that little bit into the chorus. That yeah. I like that. I do yeah. like the feel of that. But no, it's not a big sing along or anything. No, but I mean, I, I found this song like, like genuinely quite beautiful and moving. I think this is lovely. Yeah, really, really nice. fucking lovely. And similarly, because of the subject matter, I do find it emotionally moving. I think yeah, it's sure. Re- and the the way the lyrics are put together, and again, the images he's trying to evoke they really work for what he's trying to say. It doesn't yeah. sound trite. It doesn't sound forced or anything like that. It sounds like it's full of genuine genuine love and emotion it's and inter- it's, it's interesting, though. I mean, I'd, I do wonder if I'd feel that way about it without the context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, and whether you need context for a song or not, whether you can evaluate it purely on its own means, that's a whole other conversation. Sure. But you know, I guess you know, I guess you know, we've got the context, so we have to fucking roll with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. I mean, en- enjoy is probably the wrong word, but I I thought it was a was a, a really good song. Yeah, it, it took me by surprise how much I was into this after a few listens. Really enjoyed it. Um, one of the lines that stood out to me, um, I mean, apart from the fucking with a slip of a man mm-hmm. line, which is. Again, presumably deliberately put in there in this very gentle and lovely song yeah. to jar and stand out and make you go, what? All right, mm-hmm. okay, I've, I've noticed that. But um, one of the lines is just, in the car he couldn't afford, they found his made-up name on her ankle chain. And th- that sort of level of detail that he's putting in, which is obvious, and he said it was from fact, that was something he couldn't make up. Yeah. And so that sort of thing, it just gives it that human element mm-hmm. that it, this actually happened and it's to someone that he really loved, I think is is gorgeous. I really think it's lovely. Yeah, and there's a whole bit, there's, the second half of the song is almost like his dad's not able to tell him about yeah, it. can't handle yeah, yeah, no, talking about it. Yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, it's, you know, it's rough, but no, I think this is just lovely. 
I was very taken with that. Yeah, I, I think mm. yeah, I think it's a, a lovely bit of kind of, uh, of, of of lyric writing, which is not something I necessarily think is consistent throughout this record. And it's also not something I ever gave a shit about with Suede. You sure. know, I, I because I wasn't a big big fan at the time, mm-hmm. and I'm not that into lyrics in general. I never investigated it anymore. I, it, to be honest, a lot of the time, I would sing along to stuff not even thinking about what those words were. I just knew them by rote because I'd heard them uh, often enough. And sometimes, I, uh, you know, as you always do when you go through with actual lyrics in front of you, I go, oh, that's not what I thought it was at all. There, there's one, I think in the first song, the Let's Chase the Dragon, right? And I knew it wasn't right because it couldn't possibly be right. But I thought it sounded like uh, Let's Chase the Crumpet. And if you listen to it, Let's Chase the Crumpet... It, you could be forgiven for going, yeah, that's what it sounds I mean, like. But why would you ever say it? I mean, I, well, I think there are moments that Brett Anderson sounds a little bit like Kenneth Williams. So. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. I think that's deliberate as well, isn't it? Um, uh, there's, there's one, um, the line in Animal Nitrate and the delights of the chemical smile. Uh, what is it? Well, he said he'd show you his bed and the delights of the chemical smile. I had thought, and I genuinely thought, and I didn't know why he'd write it, but I thought it was, he's sad, he'll show you his pant, and then he lights up the pelican smile. Oh, okay. So I don't know why uh, you'd want to light up maybe the pelican's his bedside lamp. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, maybe the uh, the, the, the pelican smile is uh, his name for his um, dildo. Maybe, Could maybe be. so. Could be. But you yeah. know, I I I went through a lot of these singles, especially going. Oh yeah, I used to sing along to this. Couldn't have told you what they meant or what the actual lyrics were. I just had it in my head. Oh, it sounds like this. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so three tracks in, mm-hmm. uh, kind of two for three, which is yeah, yeah, absolutely. a lot better than I expected. Very pleased overall. So yeah, fine. So yes. All right. Well, let's let's do the albums. Uh, like I said at the top, this was only number one for one week, and it was also number one the week after Depeche Mode. So we will have seen a lot of these okay. uh, already. There's not a, a great deal of new stuff in the top 10. Number 10 is The Best of Randy Crawford. Okay. Uh, so, fine. And it's going to be some also great tracks on that, but it's mm-hmm. a best of, so whatever. Number 9 is Dana Carroll, So Close. Don't care. Don't care. Number 8, REM's Automatic for the People. Back up again. Annie mm-hmm. Lennox, Diva at 7. Uh, new entry number six, David Essex with Cover Shot. Cover Shot. David Essex, top is, 10 album in 1993. Is it covers? Oh, I bet it is. It's Yeah, it's got to be. Let's, let, let's find out. I'm going to Google it. Right. Yeah, it's got to be. Because um, n- there's no way he's releasing an album of original material in 1993 and get into number six. Surely. Cover shot. Let's have a look. Yeah, summer. Yeah, I mean, fucking hell, yeah. Summer in the City, Everlasting Love, Time After Time. Right. Uh, for, what, the Cindy Lauper song? Yeah, well. Uh, Waterloo Sunset, Painted Black, Out of Time, A Horse with No Name. Oh, nice. First Cut is the Deepest. Oh. The Letter. What's the letter? The letter is the box tops. Oh, um, okay. The letter, yeah. Uh, I Can't Let Maggie Go. Uh, that one I don't know. I don't either. Here Comes the Night and the New York Mining Disaster, 1941. BGs. Well, right. There we go. Okay, so yeah, that's that's what David Essex was doing. Number five is Eric Clapton Unplugged, which I think we've seen in the top ten before, if I'm I honest. I imagine so. Um, but, but fuck Eric Clapton. I know, he's been in the news just this week, is it? Where he's announced that he's not going to play any any gigs where you have to prove that you've been vaccinated. I that fucking... One, something like that. I, I, I hope he gets it and dies. Oh, mate, it, it was him and fucking... Van Morrison, one that recorded a single, yeah. uh, which was basically 
trying to raise funds for some anti-vax nonsense. A fucking moron. Ridiculous. Fucking... Ridiculous. Uh, number four. Oh, actually, I just I just thought I I found out uh, a thing this week. You know, I just while we're on Eric Clapton, his single um, "Behind the Mask" from whatever eighty six, eighty seven, yeah. that one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which incidentally, Phil Collins on drums. Cool. I think it's a fucking wicked tune. But I'd always thought it was an Eric Clapton tune. That apparently is a cover version of a Yellow Magic Orchestra song. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was recorded in like 79 by uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra, and it was offered to Michael Jackson to do for Thriller. Okay. He recorded a version of it, but then there were some legal issues, and it didn't get included on Thriller. But uh, he recorded it, some vocal bits, and posthumously it was uh, included on some Michael Jackson album with terrible 2013 kind of dance backing or whatever mm. but yeah I just thought that Behind the Mask was an Eric Clapton solo thing and it turns out it wasn't oh, there so you, you don't have to be angry with yourself uh, for liking it anymore well, I was, I'm quite glad because I thought when you started that you had the look in your eye that this was going to be one of your bad jokes uh, I'm quite oh, glad oh. it was just a fact no that was just fact alright I need to work on my, my looks then yeah yeah. oh I mean you're going to love me later on in this uh, this particular uh, podcast I'm then not, am I nope I'm not. number four in the top ten is uh, Lenny Kravitz Are You Gonna Go My Way which we have done yeah Yes, we did. Number three, Hot Chocolate Greatest Hits, which has been lurking around here for a long time. Yeah. And number two is Depeche Mode Songs of Faith and Devotion, which was our last episode. It was. Uh, so th- that's top ten in the week of April the 4th to the 10th, 1993. And there are not an awful lot of big albums. Cool. In fact, there are hardly any big albums, as you will see from the ones I'm about to list, oh, okay. um, uh, that were released in this time period. I've, I've noted New Model Army, the Love of Hopeless Causes. It got to number 22. Right, okay. That's fine. I, I was never into them. Um, no. They're one I, of the ones, they were all, like the levelers, but a step further. And I wasn't even a big fan of the levelers at that, that point. It was, so I was yeah, like, it was just music for people that bought all their clothes from uh, army surplus. Oh, shops. it absolutely was. Yeah. So that was one of the ones. Sheep on Drugs released their album, only got to number 55. And I do like the fact that they just called it Greatest Hits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's a bit of fun. That's, yeah. that's okay. Um, I've mostly included this one for uh, regular listener Darren because mm. Yanni released In My Time. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know that he loves Yanni. Yes, indeed. Uh, but uh, the only other two, and these are these are two good ones, Monster Magnet released Super Judge. What a record. Well, now, that is a big record. That really is. Um, it's one of the ones that, you know, every so often... Uh, we get donations from some of our listeners, very, very generous donations. And if they are of a level where we go, fucking hell, I wonder if he's pressed the wrong button. Yeah. We sometimes contact that person and go, mate, if you meant that, brilliant. And because it's so generous, would you like to choose an album that Mm -hmm. we will do a special on for you? And our friend Sean did such a thing, and he said that he would love us to do one on Super Judge. So... We will. We'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, because we're both big fans of that as well, and that'll be a good one to do. I'll be going to just dig into that. It's been a long time since I listened to the full album on that. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. And then the other the other album that came out in this time period... Mm-hmm. Never heard of them. <laughs> Indeed. Dance. So Undertow Ooh. by Tool... Was released. Fucking good record. And come on. I mean, Dave, as as anyone who listens to this podcast at all should know, is a huge Tool fan. And 
I'm going to assume that this was the first real album that you got. Yeah, was it? yeah. I, again, I think my friend Ian Cherry mm-hmm. uh, was all over this record. I had a tape. I mean, I'd have had a tape very soon after release. Right, sure. I mean, obviously, uh, the prison sex video and the uh, sober videos were both doing the rounds on like Alternative Nation. Yeah, and they were all ball. brilliant videos, so they were yeah, all I mean, over well, the place. I mean, they weren't all over. You had to really tune in to see them because they were so fucking dark. Oh, I suppose, okay, that, yeah, like, yeah. They weren't in rotation, but they were on the specialist shows. They were on 120 minutes or whatever. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, sure. Um, and yeah, I heard this band, and like, the, I mean, I love this record, right? I really, mm-hmm. really love this record. Mm-hmm. They weren't my favorite band on this record. They wouldn't become my favorite band until the next record, the next album, right? But, sure. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I don't think this is, I don't think this is their best work, um, but it's a fuck, you know. I still think it's better than most people's work. Gotcha. Yeah. Love no, this song fair dearly. Enough. Oh no, this song's incredible. And uh, for me, Prison Sex was the first time I knew to... I, I bought the 12-inch of that. Um, I didn't know Sober as much. I, w- I was hearing it in clubs, yeah. but I didn't have this album at all until yeah. years later. Um, but, you know, uh, just as a pair of singles, fuck me, those are amazing. Oh, mate, amazing. Yeah. You know, the fact that Intolerance wasn't a single has always been amazing to right, me. Right, sure. Uh, the fact that I didn't buy either of these fucking singles on vinyl when they came out as well. I, oh, I thought you had Prison Sex as well. No, nah, I don't think I've got it anymore. Oh, I, I, I had Louise's copy for a while. But, I see, um, right. I've got a lot of Tool Rarity, but uh, I haven't got these. Um, oh, yeah, they're they're hard to fucking find for well, anything less than you know, hundreds of pounds these days, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they're silly money now. I'm, yeah. I'm silly. I should have bought them when I could. Damn I had them it. in my hands a lot of times. Ah, um, oh, damn it. But yeah, I mean, this, you know, this, this album's... You know, phenomenal. In a, you know, in a, in a, in a, if we weren't falling a little bit behind on this year, I would say we should do this album. Yeah, fair enough. But we, you know, we will almost definitely do an Ema. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a given. Um, I think. But you know, this this album's great. I mean, because you've got, you know, you got the, you got Intolerance, which I, again, like I say, I think should have been a single. Mm-hmm. Starts off with that, um, you know, kind of you lie, cheat and steal. You mm-hmm. lie, cheat and steal. Uh, you got that. You've got then, you know, into prison sex, into sober. What a fu- what an opening triple track yeah. of songs. But then this album is one of those records that just keeps yielding deep cuts, you right? Know? Sure. Like swamp song, uh, undertow, the title track, yeah. four degrees, um, bottom. Mm. All of these mm-hmm. songs, man. I mean, with with the exception of like Disgustipated, which is like the the first kind of glimpses into tools kind of sense of humor stroke pretentiousness stroke which way are we on here is this something we believe in are we taking the piss right yeah which side of like kind of sardonic are we on where they just basically smashed up a fucking grand piano with sledgehammers and recorded it right essentially what that song is every track on here i think is is pretty solid man and this was the album as well that really properly got their noticed wasn't it um it, it had yeah well it was suppose it was a, was it a mini album or was it an ep before well they, they put it out a mini album? yeah well it's it's, it's yeah I mean, six tracks it's six tracks that's a mini album uh, but two of them are live tracks i suppose so it's you know it's mm. kind of a cobbled together thing i mean tool was signed very very early into play and they're, they're not a band that toiled around for uh, for years yeah, unnoticed on the, on the, they yeah. pretty much got noticed very much straight away they hadn't done a lot of gigs when they started getting stuff together but obviously they come out of a particularly interesting time for music oh and, sure you know they, they come out of la and were noticed fairly fairly quickly you know i think that that you know they various members had ties to the industry obviously adam jones had grown up mm-hmm. uh, with tom morello 
and Rage Against the Machine was yeah. starting to blow up. Uh, so you know they had they had some links. Yeah, and Maynard obviously guested on that first Rage album as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's, you know, the, 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 there were connections out there. Uh, but you know, this was still a kind of a dark, weird sounding album. It didn't sound like a grunge album. It sounded. Mm. Like a very, you know, he wanted like Maynard's not yarling on it, and the guitar sounds are fucking odd, right? And remain odd, and they started kind of toying with a little bit of progressive rock. In, uh, I mean, again, not as much in this. It's, it's, it certainly flies under the radar a lot more. It's a mm. bit more straight straight ahead this record. But by the time you get to the next record, they were full on. Oh, they were doing stuff. They were, well, I mean, they were they'd kind of fallen into what they wanted to be at that point yeah. they'd really just solidified what they yeah, wanted to do yeah just really wearing those king crimson i mean obviously yeah. that had a lineup change as well because uh, between the two records obviously they lost um paul diano's the bassist on this record uh and gained justin chancellor yeah. who's you know who toured with them when they toured this record um english for english guy from a band called peach peach um uh yeah and so you know and basically when paul paul left um that's that's who they brought in yeah yeah, indeed. Paul, but, Paul Demore. Is it Paul Demore? I can't remember. Yeah, Paul Demore is right. what his name is. Yeah, gotcha. fucking... Yep. Okay, well, yeah, that was, uh, was a big album for a lot of people. And it, like like I say, it was the one that kind of got them noticed in a big way uh, and cemented their presence on the rock scene, I'd say. Cool. Yeah, okay, but there's, that's all the albums I could find for this time period, which is not a lot, but that's what happens when you've got a one-week number one album. Yeah, so oh, yeah. there you go. But what a fucking record, though. Oh, sure, man, sure. And yeah, let's do uh, the special on Monster Magnet. That'll be our next episode coming out shortly, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, let's get back into Sway, then. Uh, you, what, you want me to change out of this rubber? Oh, fucking Jesus. Well, actually, I cannot complain about any shit jokes you make, because... Oh man, don't trailer it like this. Now, wait, I, motherfucker. Now, I've, now I've got that kind of like, oh, I've got to do a job interview tomorrow, dread. Do you know what I mean? That <laughs> sank, sank's coming. You know, you've got to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, nothing right. you can do. Okay, all right. Well, so track four is called uh, "Moving." Moving, right? Okay, big pounding beat, almost surf rock. Oh yeah, this is bit. Oh here, oh. Yeah. Now, this is kind of giving me a Wonder Stuff kind of vibe. Oh, God. Now you said that. It absolutely does. I haven't yeah. put that together. I was thinking it's just like standard kind of glammy stuff. But yeah, that really does sound like that Greeble. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That, those, those kind of fast fills. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. And these fucking phases on this vocal are awful. It's so jarring. Um, let's just say, in general, I don't think this is a good song. Uh, I think this is not a great one. Utterly uninspired. Um, Apparently, Brett Anderson had an issue with the producer, oh, that sort of stuff, yeah. The producer, Ed Buller, who Mm -hmm. who did this whole album, and apparently Anderson had a a few issues with him on some songs, but this is one of them. Um, He said it never sounds as good on the album as it did live. There's hardly anything of the energy. It's overproduced and all a bit FX. Yeah. It's a bit grim. That's what what he says about this version on here. And so if he's saying that this is not representative of what he wanted, fine. But unfortunately, that's what we've been given. And no, I'm not into this. You said uninspiring. It's exactly that. This is an album track. This, this it, is filler for it, me. It sounds like an indie disco throwaway to yeah. me. When you kind of got this band that are kind of positioning themselves as a kind of a, a brooding art rock mm-hmm. cultural phenomenon, and you've got a song that basically 
almost sounds like a Sultan's of Ping B side. Right, yeah, it's just bog standard. Yeah, not a yeah. huge fan. It's not the worst thing I've heard, but it, it doesn't do anything for me at all. No, absolutely. I, I was just completely nonplussed. Well, yeah. let's move on to the next one, the uh, Pantomime Horse, this one's called. Pantomime Horse, track number five. And this is the longest one so far at five minutes 50. Yeah, and we're back in that spacey, strung out mm-hmm. kind of... Yeah, I, mean, I think strung out is quite a good way of, yeah, of wording with this, you know. What I think is quite interesting, because you've got this kind of introduction that comes across here, and in the way the vocal stands on it, it's almost like a musical in its presentation. Ah. Oh, I... You know, if you think of it like that, I can absolutely see the stage and the spotlight yeah. and singing to the to the ceiling kind of thing. Yeah. P- pacing across the stage, hand on brow. But it's also, it's called Pantomime Horse, so maybe they are going for that sort of a on-stage feel. I mean, maybe... I mean, it, in terms of what it's about, you, you can read into it a few ways. You can read into it as like um, the pantomime horse is is the lowest acting role you can get uh, in in a shit play, but it's the lowest of the low. And so maybe, yeah, there yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so is he saying that that's how he feels in in life that he's been cast as as the lowest possible thing, or is he saying that pantomime horse always needs two people and he's just one, so he feels lost and incomplete? Yeah, possible. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly a lyric that is mired in not a very subtle layer of self-loathing, right? Oh, definitely. And I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm between thinking, oh, that's quite a multi-layered metaphor. But also thinking about a pantomime horse. Because right. pantomime <laughs> horses have big, ridiculous fucking grins and googly eyes. Yes. And it is quite a stupid thing to compare yourself to. I find like it is right on that edge of risibility, isn't right, it? Right, sure. Well, I suppose that's the other way, is that count- pantomime horses are purely there for kind of comic appeal. Yeah. And so maybe you're saying, oh, I'm only there as the sort of the, the whipping boy or... Uh, com- comedy value in my own life. I mean, no I, one takes me seriously. I mean, I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised that, given the rest of the kind of the the queer baiting content on this, that he didn't describe himself as the bottom, as in you know the bottom from Midsummer Night's oh, right, Dream, sure. yeah. which would have been a much more <laughs> nailed on metaphor for where they're going for. But look, uh, it's kind of got a little bit of velvet underground about it, hasn't oh, it? I see. I see the space darkness. Are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. A weird thing is I'm not 100% sure where I am on this song. I've right, listened okay. to it a few song times, yeah. and it's like, sonically, it has This bit a reminds me of something, it. and I can't place it. This bit, this thing. It's kind something. of almost Sabbath-y. Oh, yeah, through that bit. Could be. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Might be. Like I say, I think sonically there's a lot of elements that I like. Um... But it does, like I say, it walks that tightrope of self-important risibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, this is very po-faced self-importance. Yeah, I, and I just I kind of get a bit of the I'm not sure it's quite as clever as it thinks it is. Right, sure. You know, yeah. and, and you know, in that way that you'd never really get that with pulp songs, because whenever you think that with a pulp song, there's always a kind of a, a nod and a wink, and mm-hmm. there's a self-awareness and a sense of humour. Right. And I do think there's a self of, a sense of humour missing from everything we've heard from Swade so far. Oh, I don't think there is with everything. I think there is in some of the songs, I but mean, I guess not got, in this I one. I guess you've got Animal Nitrate, which is a joke. Yeah. But, you know, this one, I think, is down the line... Uh, Poor me, 
you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and the, you know, there's an archness in the lyrics and the vocal delivery that, have you ever tried, is that why, yeah. David Bowie, is and that there's why? there's a lot of Brett yelping in this song as well. Yeah. I mean, he thinks really he's, he, he very that. much thinks he's Bowie in this. That, oh, that, God, yeah. that, you ever tried, is that why? Yeah. Oh, Bowie, I mean, uh, that, that was one of the things that was talked about at the time of release. You know, in all the reviews, people were saying Bowie-esque, and, and a lot of reviews saying Smiths as well. Mm-hmm. Back in 93... I did not know enough Bowie to be able to say yes or no yeah. to that. I had no idea. Nowadays, I can hear a lot of things in there for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think with some people back in 93, it rankled them because they were like, oh, he's ripping them off. Yeah, I was uh, excused feeling that because I didn't know. And so I was able just to go, oh, this is, this is relatively new stuff to me. And so I was fine with it. But one, one thing I will say, and I don't like admitting this, especially because it was this song that made me think of it, and I don't think this is a great song, but this was like, uh, recorded through 92, 93, released in 93. And there are certain guitar sounds that are on there that I, I can hear a potential influence on Radiohead's The Bends. It's not exactly, um, and they've cleaned up some of the stuff on The Bends. It's not as fuzzy sometimes. But there are certain guitar sounds that Bernard Butler comes up with that I'm like, oh, that sounds a bit like it could be towards Radiohead in 94, you know, 95. And maybe that is true because, you know, Radiohead came from Pablo Honey in 92, almost a totally different band. This came out in the meantime. And without hyperbole, it did make a massive impact. It did have a lot of impact. People talk about this as one of the first Britpop albums because it's talking about shagging in a bed sit in Hayward's yeah. Heath. Well, but people talk about the next song we're going to talk mm-hmm. about as the first Britpop single, don't well, they? Well, they That's... do indeed, actually. Yeah, all right, shall we get into that? Then? Track number six, uh, which it was the first single, so is The Drowners. And this came out, you know, almost a year earlier. This came out in May 92. Only got to number 49. And I remember this very, very well because I had been reading the papers, like I said, and this was talked about an awful lot. I got it, I bought it on day of release, and I think this is a great song. You know, a statement of, statement of intent for a brand new band, I think this is absolutely brilliant. See, I I don't get this song at all. Not at all, really? No, I don't, I don't like the riff. Oh, I do? I okay. See, I, I don't like the riff. Uh, it's... I mean, it's it's the kind of the most Bowie aping one so far, right? I think. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this one in a way I would expect to remember it for a song that was as big as it is. I don't remember oh, hearing so. this in the clubs all the time. Oh right, and I, I'm sure I'm sure it was, but in. it just hasn't hooked me at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a bit in the chorus, but I just find this one a bit samey and not very exciting. Oh right, no. It's, I think, especially this bit. Listening to this, uh, you know, in headphones, especially, I think there's so much more going on in this I, than I realised. And I, I can hear your point regarding Radiohead on this, right? Okay. Very much. Yeah. This very much does sound like you know, like earlier Radiohead, like maybe like Pablo Honey into the Benz right. Radiohead. Yeah, that's um, something there. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I just need to listen to this more. But going through this record, this uh, I kind of. This one, I was when I was going through, going, which one's this? Oh, this is this one. This is the big single that right. everyone's talking. The introduction to the band one. Yeah, I mm. kind of. I, oh, I don't. I, I don't. And maybe it's just something that's missing. But I don't really understand why this is 
considered such a kind of cultural artifact. I see. Oh, right. Well, because I think this is fantastic. I really do. I, and I do see it as a calling card for the band. It's got... Uh, I think this is also less histrionic and less yelpy and all of those things because this was written probably quite a long time before the rest of the album and before they became the suede that they turned into. Um, and so this is less... Uh, overly silly at times it's more straight down the line indie song um, but I think the guitar riff the center riff I think is brilliant that little drum intro is, is mm-hmm. nice as it comes in I do think and everyone says it you know the taking me over is ridiculous and even at the time I was like oh you're a dickhead yeah. but fuck it it's Again, because I like the tune, I'll let it slide. I mean, I, I hadn't even picked that little detail up. I hadn't even that hadn't even oh, right, kind yeah. of registered enough to annoy me. Uh, that's <laughs> the kind of thing that would annoy me. Um, but yeah, no, I just I, I don't know. That's I'm no strong feelings about it. Yeah. I just just like I oh, don't really don't oh, think I really see. get the don't don't get it really. So. I see. I think it's terrific. Um, as a debut single, you know, again, it's straight in with the uh, with the the cover was the androgynous imagery again. Um, there's potential. Is it gay or bisexual sex going on? You don't know. We you know we kissed in his room to a popular tune. Yeah. It's, it's it's all oh is it is it maybe? And the video for this, you know, the first one is cheap as fuck. Obviously, the first video that they ever did, and it is Brett Anderson in uh, a very open shirt with his floppy fringe, yeah. waif thin, just in, in a in a white room. You know, the band is playing around. Bernard Butler's got long hair, 70s glam hair. Yeah. He's doing that sort of thing. And I do, I imagine that potential fans, people, again, if you're talking about people who weren't into grunge or hip-hop or hardcore and were looking for something and this is what they found, it was just a ready set image for them that you know you see this band you go all oh, right that's what i'm doing for the next couple of years yeah. i'm going to look like this i'm going to dance to these tunes like this sure you know it, it was very easy for, for someone to latch on to yeah, yeah d- totally um there is also a us video that they made to try and break the chart totally different it's uh the band all dressed in black on a stage in the middle of a big room with fans jumping around all over the place and it's much more kind of rock and roll star yeah obviously you know that sort of thing they don't look like the suede you think uh, they should be at this point but uh, I, I think this is a terrific song um it was obviously voted single of the year in both enemy and melody maker for 992 because it was the big fucking deal of that year yeah i'm, I'm so out of touch with that I, mindset man it's, no i really just... like it doesn't does nothing for me, man. I'm afraid. I, you know, Fair I'd enough. say maybe a few more listens and I'll get it, but I'm not sure I'll I'll have I, those listens. No, and I wouldn't. I would say if uh, if you're not instantly feeling the hook of that riff, I don't think it's going to grow on you. To me, that is an instant one, and if it's not done it for you, I suspect that's that. No, it just doesn't do anything for me. It just seems like a lot of other riffs. Fair enough. Anyway. Fair enough. All right, so um, the next one is Sleeping Pills. Right, okay, so track number seven. Yes. And apparently the band were determined to release this as the third single instead of Animal Nitrate. Right, They okay. wanted this to be the one that dropped just before the album, and it took the head of Nude Records, Saul Goldburn, to go, I'm absolutely not doing that. He just overruled them and went, I am not doing that. Mm-hmm. How about Animal Nitrate? And they came up, they came to an agreement on that. But he made the right decision. This would not have worked as a third single. No, this, this is like another down-tempo, tripped-out one. Mm-hmm. But the this one for me... Um, the vocal 
and the lyrics are they just they piss me off I think it's a shit I think it's yeah, a, this, this is, is a bad this song is, it, it, this is the suede I was afraid of right all art okay. school self-importance yeah no substance no tune and it feels insincere to me right. and, I, and I'm you know and I'm sure that if you're a fan of the band they'll be like oh don't be ridiculous it's sincere it's heartfelt it's whatever mm. and I'm not even going to argue the toss in it because I can't argue the toss but what I'll say is for me coming into it as an outsider it see it feels insincere gotcha and that to me you know and, and you know again that's a value judgment on my part hmm. um but it's an important value judgment on my part on it and it's makes a difference of whether i'm bought in or whether i'm out yeah and sure nothing yeah. in this one I, I just can't hear a tune at all in this cannot hear it's a just, tune it's just a dirge man yeah it really is uh, and there's also so little to this you know musically and sonically, I think there's very little to it. It's, yeah, like you say, it's swirling slight, dirgy. Very but slight. Just like they've got one verse that they repeat twice. There's not even a second new verse. Yeah. Chorus is on twice. And then he just keeps saying the bit about Sweet F.A. to do today over and over and over until it stops. It's mm-hmm. like, well, no, I, there's nothing in this song that uh, I want anything to do with. No, well, let's no. F- take a break from the suede. Yes. And let's get involved with some singles. All right. Single and ready to mingle. This week's top 10, April 4th to 10th, 1993, and similar to the albums, we've seen pretty much everything here before, uh, but number 10 is a new one to us. Uh, you'll, you'll know this one, I'm quite sure. Oh, roller skating gem, no, what, what is it? I mean, I'm sure you definitely do oh, I know do it. I know it. Yeah, I know. It. I know it. I just can't. It's just in my head. I'm like, oh, I know. I know the tune. And I know where it goes next, uh-huh. but I just cannot place what it is. Um, I think this. Oh, the, this is what a is couple this? of the people who became doves. Oh, so it's. Um, oh, what they? Fu- oh my God! What's wrong with me? Subsonic. So sub, close. Sub, sub sub. Sub sub. Yes. Yeah. And what's the song called? Ain't No Love. Ain't, ain't no, no Love. Use. Ain't No Love and it ain't no use. And they, there uh, you go. That's exactly this must what it be, is. Uh, I think this must be just an, a long album version because realistically she, she should have started singing by now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sub sub. Ain't No Love, Ain't No Use. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10. Uh, number 9. And I wasn't going to put this in because I was like, there's no way you're going to get this. But you might. And I only remember it from the chorus. So yeah, this, this was in at number nine. Oh, I do know what this is as well. Um, and the thing is, when it got to the chorus, and I was like, oh, this song. I was like, oh, this is dead good. I remember this now. Oh, I do know this. Oh, but also, on. even if you'd Hang played on. me the chorus, Hang on. no way I'd have got the band. Is it Don't Walk Away? Yes, it is. You don't walk, walk away. Yeah. Um, Can but, you remember who did it? Because I would never have got this. Uh, don't walk away. So I'm, I'm thinking, no, it's not SW. It's not SWV, is no. it? It's um. No. Uh, hang on. Don't walk away, boy. Not Eternal. No. Um. Hang on. I mean, uh. similarly, I don't remember them doing anything else. 
They might no, but I know who this is, though. I know I know I know I know the answer to it. But it's, <laughs> it's buried, buried deep. Don't walk away. Oh. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty go, sure go they're, on, they're give, American. Give, give me a first letter. J. J. What away, boy? J. No, go on. Uh, it's Jade. Jade. Oh, yeah, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now you said it, I got it. I'd have never found it on my own. No, uh, that's the thing. I mean, it, to be honest, if you'd given me a choice of three on that one, I don't know if I could have picked Jade out of it. But I, I absolutely remember the song once it gets to that chorus. Yeah, yeah, no, you, yeah. yeah. Uh, then we're kind of into, after that, we're into a load of stuff we've already seen. Uh, number eight is Two Unlimited, No Limit. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Madonna Fever. Number six, Robin S, Show Me Love. Number five, Sybil, When I'm Good and Ready. Number four, Shabba Ranks, Mr. Loverman. Love number, it. Love it. Number three, Snow Informer, which was one of your choices for One Hit Wonders, that of podcast we just did uh, with the Riot Act guys. Number two, Shaggy O'Carolina. And number one is the same as the Depeche Mode episode with the Bluebells Young at Heart. Nice. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I didn't realise, and this is something else I found out this week. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Young at Heart, big tune. It was in the charts twice for the Bluebells. Yeah. It wasn't, the original version wasn't by the Bluebells. It was written by a guy from the Bluebells, whose name I now can't remember, who was going out with one of Bananarama, and they recorded it first and released it. Yeah, so it was originally a Bananarama single. Ah. I had no idea. And sounds very different as well. Uh, so, but then there are a couple of other uh, singles out this week that uh, we shall touch upon. I don't know if you'll get this. You'll Again, you'll know it when it gets to the chorus, but it wasn't even a big single, really. It got to number 30. Yeah. And it's riding the, the wave of the UK's little... Um, Excursion into Raga. I think I already know what this is. Hang on. Yeah, I mean, I mean. So is it, so, hang on, what the fuck is it? Obviously, it's an Englishman in New York, but. Well, it's, it's called Jamaican in New York. Oh God, no, I don't know. I, I don't think oh, I've you, ever heard this. Oh, movie. I see. This is Shinehead. Shinehead with oh, Jamaican what? in yeah, New York that does kind of ring a bell now but I think I might have seen it written down rather than oh I see song. well there you go now you've heard it and well, it, it's probably exactly what you pictured I don't think I need to no um, no that got to number 30 this one got to number 19 yeah well this is uh, this is uh, Aerosmith yes. uh, living on the edge yes it is and this is a terrific song oh, this is one of the best this is this is, this is uh, I would say the best uh, post-pump Aerosmith song. Okay, yeah. No, fair enough, because, yeah, that, that's a definite distinction. But, yeah. there, but there are also some very, you know, uh, Falling in Love is Harder Than the Knees is a very good <laughs> that's song. That's a brilliant title yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is top quality, this one. Um, I'm pretty sure at the time, 93, I thought Aerosmith were shite. And I ignored everything they did. Well, see, this is, um, like, I, I talk I talk in the, uh, the Informer... Uh, episode on Right Act about the fact that I was in America mm. on holiday just watching MTV for like, like a couple of whole days yeah. and this was on oh I can imagine this tw- would be twice an hour forever right yeah exactly they are the perfect MTV band you know listen to that riff though oh, so good so good yeah no I'm really into that one uh, yeah so that one got to number 19 um, Jesus Jones released The Right Decision which got to number 36 but this was 
you know, at the yeah. tail end of when I really was into any Jesus Jones stuff. Possibly the wrong decision then. Well, possibly. Uh, number 37, and again, I wasn't going to do this, but then I thought maybe Dave does know this. Yeah. Because you were more into this guy than I was at the time. And so you might have had this album. Words to my grandmother. That, it's a fucking... It's a fucking LL. It is Cool J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was. LL Cool J. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the track's called, though. Right, um, it's called How I'm Coming. Yeah. And it's off the 14 Shots to the Dome album, yeah. which I think I remember you saying that you did have. I did. I think I had it on tape briefly, but oh, I, don't think it, I don't think it got any plays. Right, fine. Uh, but no, yeah, it is LL Cool J. Uh, and then the last one I'm going to play, because um, also... Back to the Planet released Teenage Turtles and things. I remember really liking that at the time. Listen to it again. Yeah. Shite. Oh, is it dog oh, shit? Oh, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah it's embarrassingly bad. Uh, but this one, this one got to number 49 and this is still good. Ringing any bells? Nah. Nah. I mean, it's called Geppetto, and it's by Belly. Oh, okay. So I think this yeah. was the follow-up to Feed the Tree. Yeah. And I think this is far superior to Feed the Tree. I really like this song. I think it's got a lovely central riff to it, and her voice is just great on this. Even though I'm pretty sure she can't sing live, I think it's one of those ones that, in studio, terrific. On stage, not so much. I think there's right. a lot of uh, reaching for those notes okay. that doesn't happen. But yeah, th- that's all I have really for singles. So there's a couple of decent ones, but it's oh, not man. a classic week by any fucking stretch of the imagination. Fair enough, yeah. mate. Fair enough. So back into the last bit of Suede then, okay, yeah? Okay, four more to go. All right. So this one's called Breakdown. Track number eight. Now, this one, I've got the note here, sounds like an early Radiohead. Oh, have you? Okay, interesting. Like kind of, oh, maybe, cre- you know, so like, it's not just me. No, like Pablo Honey era Radiohead almost. Yeah, right. It's quite, quite a straightforward one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's also the longest one on the album, just over six minutes. Yeah. So it, it goes on. It's a slow one. It's about uh, a friend of Brett's who was suffering from depression. <laughs> um, but... Lyrically, again, he's being a little bit too oblique for me. It's very angsty teen, right? Mm. And, I, and, and, you know, kind of belly button gazy. You know, I suppose we are at the back end of shoegaze a little oh, bit. Oh, sure, here. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, and, you know, and I think this kind of jibes a little bit because this isn't where I was as a teen, right? I was uh-huh. a teenager. And I was angry. I was yes. furious, yeah, right? Sure. And this all felt, this kind of stuff all felt quite asinine to me. Yeah. It all felt a little bit futile and self-pitying. Right, okay. Whereas a lot of the music I liked was self-pitying, but it had like that fucking like kind of furious. furious. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Um and you know, you know, it, obviously it's a, it's about his friend's suicide, but I find the delivery strangely passionless. Right. I mean I think just to to clarify, I think from my reading um it's about a friend of his called Simon who was suffering from depression at this time. He yeah. then committed suicide in 96. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so I, but 
but at the, this time it was just uh, a depressed. Just depression. Yeah, just, okay. He hadn't, he hadn't uh, actually committed suicide at this point. I mean, it gets musically dramatic in its final two minutes. I, see, that's the only bit that interested me in this song. But do you know what I? Do you know what I was listening to it right, and I was listening to the changes. That it, that it pulled and 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 like the kind of the tricks that it played with it. Skip a bit and on. I just went, this is just indie November rain. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, for, to be honest, I think you're giving it an awful lot more than it deserves because it's it's, it's definitely nowhere close to that uh, sort of drama. But well, no, I know it's, what it's you mean. not. But it's it, it's, it's the same bag of tricks. Yes. Yes. And and like you know, if anyone had tried to compare this band to Guns N' Roses in 1993, like you'd have had a fucking army of skinny, poorly armed people at your right, door, sure. writing bad poetry about I mean, you. This is such a Bowie-esque guitar sound as well. Yeah, for sure. Like, really, but yeah, it's it's only at this point that I was like, okay, this is half decent. I think the first three minutes are really fucking dull. Yeah, not not interested in it really. I'm honestly, like, this. Well, I say this is a bit more interesting. This is not. A high point at all for me. I think this is a very dull song overall. Yeah, no, no, not for me, man. Yeah. Al- album track. There's, you know, there's, some, track. There, yeah, there's some layers in it, and there's some interesting ideas, but mm. I don't think the ideas all hang together as a tangible song particularly well. No, and it's fucking six minutes long. Yeah, if too, you're gonna, it's if too you're long be, for that. It's gonna be six minutes. November rain. Fair yeah. enough. Make it better than this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, make it rain. Make it uh, rain. So. Uh, one of the biggest singles next. Right, yes. So track number nine is Metal Mickey. Yeah. And this was the second single they yeah. released. Um, and this was the first time they got in the top 20. Got number 17 in September of 1992. And, th- and this was a big indie club song. Very much. This, oh, this you know, is you know, every, designed for it, isn't it? Every week you'd hear this song, you know. This was the sting to fucking music TV segments and stuff as well, I'm fairly oh, but, sure. Right, sure. Well, it is. It's a big, obvious indie riff straight yeah. away. And this is... I mean, people do talk about that kind of the triptych of singles um, before album release. So you do. You've got the joiners, you've got this, you've got Animal Nitrate. And yeah. to me, especially, because I do like the joiners, I think that's a really strong set of three. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a fantastic single. See, this does, again, very little for me. Really? Oh, uh, I you think know, it's, it's fine and I wouldn't turn it off. Yeah. But it's not setting my world on fire. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's got this catchy chorus. Uh, it doesn't catch me. Oh, man. Uh, uh, really gets me. Like, it's yeah. fucking brilliant. This is, if I had to go back to one of the singles over and over, this would be the one. Probably because I didn't hear it as much as the other two at the time. But this would easily be the, the the pick for me. I think it's terrific. For me, right? There's this this little thing, and again, this is something I'm bringing with me, right? Because there's a very nice John Squire esque uh, mm-hmm. guitar solo in here with lots of kind of acrobatics mm-hmm. in it, right? And the thing that really makes me laugh is indie kids. The thing they will sneer about most, or certainly the indicator, the thing they will sneer about most in any metal is the guitar histrionics. Oh, right? I see. Okay, but yeah. But as soon as there's a player in one of their bands that can play a bit, they're all about that life. Right, sure. You know, it's like, you know, as soon as you've got, like, John Squire or you've got your man from the Smiths whose name is... Oh, Johnny Marr. Johnny Marr. Yeah. You know, as soon as you've got one of those guys, they're like, oh, yeah, he's fucking... And it's like... 
Oh, and Bernard Butler know, was talked about in the same breath yeah. as, as those people, for sure. And it's, you know, it's, it's great, and I like it, but mm. I like a guitar so, like, right, so yeah. Uh, and it just kind of it, 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 it just seems like a weird double standard to me. Of course it is. Of course it is. But you know, it, it goes along with the sound of the song. You know, it's not uh, it's not Slash and it's not Ingwe Malmsteen. It is. It's more the Johnny Marr kind of thing. It's the sound of the whole that, that scene rather than the sound of metal. Yeah. Anyway, but um, do you know who this is apparently about? Uh, Justin Frischman. Uh, no. No. Katie Jane Garside. I oh, really from uh, Daisy Chainsaw and okay. latterly Queen Adrena. Oh, yeah, okay. apparently it's inspired by her. Um, the references in this, the lyrical references, I can only assume he's kind of, he's almost saying this is about a stripper or a prostitute because you know, she sells heart, she sells meat. Yeah. You know, it's that sort of thing. But apparently inspired by uh, seeing Katie Jane Garside, I'm guessing with Daisy Chainsaw at that time, right. uh, performing live. So it's kind of inspired by her but for Brett Anderson, but Bernard Butler confessed that the tune bit, the music, was inspired by the Shoop Shoop song. It's got that uh, oh, 60s... Because there is, like, there's hand claps at the end of, you know, that sort of 60s beat goes on. Yeah. And if you listen for it, you can hear it. I would have never picked up on it, but yeah. you can sort of hear it. Yeah, again, I, uh, you know, I kind of... I was going into this one, mm. right? I was, like, particularly because I knew going into this I'd already changed my mind on Animal Nitrate. Okay, sure. I was expecting the big singles mm-hmm. to have a similar effect on me. And I, I, I've got to say, I'm quite surprised they didn't. Right. Given that I'm, you know, I'm not, like, completely down on this record... Neither that nor the drowners. I don't see what the fuss is about. Still, I see. Oh, wait. That's a shame because I get a lot out of this one. Uh, yeah, I right. really do. This also because it's called Metal Mickey, mm-hmm. obviously. So you know, it's referencing to whatever extent you want to say that eighties kids TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think, what other what other songs you know can we have rep that references kids TV shows? Right. So. I mean, sit down for a wee minute. You, you, you might want to take a have a cup of tea, right. um, or you can just shout out, you know, scores from one to ten on yeah. all of these. Nirvana's uh, "Magic Roundabout a Girl," obviously. Oh fuck! Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, Prince "Purple Rainbow." Right. Yeah. UB40s uh, "Roland Rat in the Kitchen." Okay. Uh, the special. <laughs> I'll give you that. Thanks. Line. The specials with "Rent a Ghost Town." Nope. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Delight with "Groove Is in Take Heart." <laughs> or, or alternatively, Biker Grove is in the heart. I'm not sure which one. Pink Floyd, see Emily Play School. Okay, uh, David, nice. David Bowie, Banana Man Who Sold the World. Yeah. Uh, Andrew WK, We Want Fun House. Nice. Gina G, Ooh, uh, Just a Whizbit. No. <laughs> um, uh, Phil Collins, Hello, I Must Be Going Live. <sighs> Survivor, Inch High Private Eye of the Tiger. Okay. Uh, Queen, One Chuckle Vision. No. No. Depeche Mode, Games Master and Servant. Okay. Uh-huh. Bruce Springsteen, Pigeon Streets of Philadelphia. No. Joining Pool, Let the Bod Hit the Floor. Fuck me. <laughs> and the last one I put is uh, Kate Bush, Dog Tanyon and the Muscahines of Love. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean... But then there was also there was all those bands that named themselves after uh, kids' TV shows. Certainly the Sultans of Pingu, that was yeah. one. Uh, Chock-a-Block Party. Yeah. Uh, Press Gang of Four. Yeah. They might be Jossie's Giants. Blue Peter Gabriel. Blue Peter Gabriel, nice. Uh Saturday Saturday Super Story Amos. Yes, yeah. that's 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 tenuous, isn't, <laughs> yes, isn't it? No, that's yes. the very last one I put. That's that's the very last <laughs> one you it. put. I'm done. After that you were like, Well, I'm not getting better than this. No, exactly. I peaked. 
fucking yeah. hell. That was, that was my evening last night. Was that was your evening. Yeah. I, that, that was as well, wasn't it? There you go. How has this happened to me? So, yeah, I, you know, it was obviously a big scene, the uh, the children's TV show song. Did you get uh, Dog Tanya Donnelly? No, nice. Okay, yeah. there you go. Okay. Nice one. Um, See, so I'm, I'm involved in this now. Oh, I got <laughs> I was hot chocolate. Oh, chocky. Yeah, yeah. fine. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, Do that one. Uh, what do we have? Um, Jack and Nori White. Yeah. I mean, oh, sorry. Is that not good enough for no, yours? No, it's not. That, see, sorry, that's even that's worse not, than mine. Th- that doesn't hit your high fucking standards. No. Fuck you. Yeah. There you are. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Dude, if any, any of the listeners uh, want to contribute to that segment. Art attack, attack, attack. Wasn't there a band called Attack, Attack, Attack? Was there a movie? So I'm not sure. Maybe there was. It sounds, it sounds like a band that would have been in that 90s, the uh, 2000s new but there rave was scene. Dan and Dan and Dan and Ackroyd. Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that was my my little. Uh... <sighs> Fucking, I want to quit. Yes, um, I don't blame you, dude. Don't blame you. Right. Let's. At least do... we're near the end of it. Yeah. Well, let's do the next one, which is called Animal Lover. Right. Track number ten. Ten of eleven. So we are nearer the end of this song. And this is allegedly a song about Damon Albarn. Oh, yeah? Yes. Because uh, he started going out with Justine Frischman yeah. very soon after uh, she and Brett Anderson broke up. And I mean, there are definitely some barbed comments in here. Right. Uh, but I'm not sure if it's more directed at him or at her. Like, there's, there's a line, I know you've been inside, but what were you in for? So I was like, all right. Is it more about, um, I know you wanted to fuck my ex because you wanted to be me is that what you were in for right. or is it directed at her saying uh, or talking about her going why would you even bother fucking someone like her Right. I don't know and it's called Animal Lover you know mm. who's this directed at uh, mm, yeah. I mean for me I mean, I, without that background for me I've just kind of written oh, that's another suede song eh I got oh, you yeah. like do the checklist twangy in indie stomp Nice bluesy guitar, twangy guitar, yeah. annoying vocal, annoying vocal effect, yeah. maracas, guitar Ooh. solo, vaguely sexually ambiguous lyrics. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's fine. This but is it's, nothing for me at it's all. It's a shtick, this one, isn't no it? No interest in this at all. Couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, but, uh, apparently, there was a, they re-released all of their studio albums in 2011, sort of, you know, bulk it up deluxe yeah. edition re-release all that sort of stuff and there was an interview with Brett Anderson and uh, Bernard Butler I think it's also in the liner notes but they talk about looking back at mm-hmm. this album they talk about an alternative version of this album that you know the implication is maybe we should have done this where they take out moving which was like track four that kind of glam rock yeah. not nothing and this song mm-hmm. and put in a couple of the b-sides uh, that they got they got massively uh, touted for having really interesting b-sides on the first couple of singles so my insatiable one and to the birds which were uh, the couple of early b-sides having them yeah. instead on the album the implication is it would have been a better album because these songs are just a bit nothing yeah you know there's not really anything going on. Um, I, I did also see that the reissue of this in 2011 got to number 74, which that's got a sting. Ooh, you make God. a bit of a campaign to reissue Deluxe Edition just scraping in the 75. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, let's yeah. do the last track on this record. This one's called uh, Next Life. Right, yes. So this is the closer. So we're into another slow one here. Yeah. It's quite pretty. 
It's kind of got some a Carpenter's Stroke Elton Johnny moments, this one, a little bit, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, a big emotional piano ballad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, for this one, I think it's... Again, it's... It's slight. It's a little bit forgettable, mm. but it is very pretty, and I, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a bad way to end the record. I, I mean, there's nowhere else on the album you could put it. I don't think. No. You know, it wouldn't. It would. It would kill the flow anywhere else. I, because this is a song about um, the death of Brett Anderson's mother. Mm-hmm. Again, it's genuinely heartfelt. There is, you know true emotion throughout and it's something he obviously wants to sing about he wants to let this all out I get that it's totally fine but I do I think it's a bit dull I mean, there's a lot of fucking dead people around Brett Anderson man mm. he's like the Jessica Fletcher of indie <laughs> yeah. music has yes, anyone investigated this prick right. yeah and, and, and apparently I read online somewhere that this one is recorded as an important song for the Britpop scene because it it mentions Worthing is mentioned in this. It mentions this tiny little shitty British town, and uh, it's talked about flogging ice creams and that sort of you know British seaside, very typical English stuff. So it's it's one of those ones that has a lot of references that Britpop would yeah. would build upon. And that, that stuff just fucking leaves me stone cold bored shitless. Mm. I guess it's you know maybe I look for some more escapism in music. Sometimes I don't know maybe. Mm. Maybe when things are as mundane as that, they interest me less. I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, right, so yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine, exactly. I don't think it has the emotional punch that they think it does. And I think it's I think it's just all right. Yeah. So overall, yeah. man, we're at the end of the record. Mm-hmm. Overall. All right, so before we do the final wrap-up, let's just cut in. And uh, we, I did uh, p- put out quite a late shout on Twitter today. Mm, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. We weren't sure we were recording it uh, until the last point. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, John in Leeds uh, kind of avoided it because of the hype. Some crackers on there, though. He doesn't specify them, but, you know, maybe... Sure. I mean, the hype was a, was an issue for a lot of people because it was so ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Man. And it, it did put people off. I, it even put me off a little bit because it was stupid. It was. It was that whole thing of they were on the cover of the Melody Maker, best new band in Britain, before a single came out. Oh, it's, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it may, you know, I mean, I reacted strongly to it. Yeah, so it was It was know. definitely an issue, yeah. Yeah, um, Paul Stevenson at PRS Books, uh, not as mind-blown as follow-up, but easily one of the most interesting albums to come out of the Britpop era, full of swagger without ladism, oozing with androgynous sex, and Burt Butner is a hell of a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Top tracks, Pat Mime Horse, Sleeping Pills, Metal Mickey. Okay, okay well, well, no, fair enough. I think we've disagreed on a few of those tracks, but yeah, you're absolutely right with all all the the, the description. It was, it, you know, if we're calling this the first one of a Britpop era or at the start one of the first, uh, it is a landmark one for that. Absolutely right. So we've got uh, uh, Robert at Barbecue Bob's uh, on Twitter. Handbrake turn of an album. Neither Jingle Jangle guitar, i.e. Roses, uh, mm, Manchester. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's true. Nor the sing-along uh, of Britpop, but all the last days of shoegazing guitar feedback. Mm-hmm. It was like a Smith's lyric-driven album with a tier one guitarist at the helm. Good, not great album. They were uniqueness. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the they were new to a lot of people. Uh, and it, obviously, like I said, I didn't really know Bowie or the Smiths well at this yeah. point at all. So I, I wasn't getting those references uh, in a lot of, the way a lot of people were. But because this was such a, a different thing to come through, you know, this was whenever I went to university in 1993, in September 93, 
So obviously this album had been out for six months at that point. This was the first time I saw people my age, because mm-hmm. obviously at university you reinvent yourself to an extent. You go yeah. away and you just do something else. Yeah. And this was the first time I was seeing 18-year-old uh, guys wearing makeup and wearing, yeah. you know, flouncy shirts, that uh, you know, blouses. Sure. And so this was, this was definitely a big deal for a lot of people. So uh, we've got here uh, Katie Funnel, outwardly hated Suede at the time as someone I didn't really like liked them. I didn't want them to like the same things as me, but I secretly loved them. Animal Nitro mm. massively played everywhere, though. Uh, not a band I've continued to listen to much, unlike other bands I was into at the time that I've carried with me. But having just put it on, it's taken me right back. I can't be doing with the way Brett says over in Drowner's Mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it goes without saying that I found Brett sexy. Now, there you go. Yeah, Katie's always uh, fancying someone in some band. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, John Myers, pal John Myers, Brett's voice. Yeah. Cockney whining leaves me as cold now as it did then great songs and music though oh, right, there you go if you, if, if you can separate them out then yes that's uh, I must admit I'm, I'm surprised John Myers was in this way John's a big uh, Bowie fan got that's true and he has yes. got a big kind yeah, of indie true, true, jag true. to him yeah, sure. that you forget about because he's such a metaler and, I'll tell you uh, who else I'm surprised liked it Dave Roddy yeah fuck me Dave Roddy, Dave I, wanted, Roddy. I wanted to hate it however I secretly loved it plus one of the girls in schools was into uh-huh. them never got me anywhere though uh, great <laughs> singles and then going forward in their career so fair enough Raw Power Roddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a nice I, surprise. Not a nice, glad that you liked it. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's, let's kind of see yeah, what we think about it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I no longer detest Suede, right? Well, that's, you see, there's a result already. Yeah. Because I didn't think this would turn you around. No. I thought that the instant Brett's vocals came in, you'd be like, I can't do it. No, no, so I mean, that so so you, for you to say that is, is even is better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not my enemy. I'm not that much into this record, sure. right? There are a couple of notable high points or things that you know I'm like okay I'm you know I'm glad I've heard this mm-hmm. um it, it feels quite a, a an immature angsty record right mm-hmm. which I would imagine if you are immature and angsty yourself is absolutely the best thing about That's spot it, on yeah right? sure um it, it it plays on its emotions rather than its songs a lot of the time right uh, and plays with kind of ideas and forms more, which I, I think are more nebulous and disappear with the passing of time than if you've got really, really fucking solid songs to back it up. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, but it suggests this isn't as good as they're going to get. There's enough ideas right. and enough things in here that make me go... I wonder what happens when they start getting this shit together. I see. Okay. So, like, I'm from here. I'm like, I would be open to hearing what comes next and see because it's right. like it's going to do one or two things. It's going to be more of the same, or they're going to get the shit together. They're going to put more interesting ideas, more interesting themes, and yeah. they're going to evolve. You know. Sure. Okay. Um, so you know, I, I you know, I, I'm. I, I can very much admit that I very much like Animal Nights right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much like the third song. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I listened to it. Ooh, Fine. How are you feeling about it? Um, I, uh, I Again, I'm glad we did this. I have not found a, like, a new impassioned love for this album mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, I am kind of where I thought I would be in that I still... I always liked the singles, the the first three singles sure. rather, and I still really like them. But it it hammered home to me how much I really do like them. Um, but I also got introduced to to she's not dead. Yeah, you know, which I then 
not having really uh, listened to it properly before, really very much enjoyed. So four yeah. out of eleven, it's not a fucking good. It's not a great ratio. Sure, but those four I think are excellent. And there's a lot of stuff which is just okay. Not into it. There's there's nothing that I'm like. This is fuck. Get this off. There's a couple that I'm like don't like this this isn't a good song yeah. but there's nothing that i actively detest if we're p- picking songs for our playlist mm-hmm. sure i uh, mean wait, are you going to say animal nitrate yeah yep good i would go with that because I, mean, I would also go with the other two singles but you're not into them nah. fine would you include she's not dead yeah i would oh, I, good. I, so I, would I. I, I, good. I i did like that so well, should we call it i mean I, I don't think i'd find a third nah i don't think we'll find a third that we're gonna both be into because sure. Everything else was a bit blah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, those two I think are excellent. Okay, let's do them. Cool. I, I'd be happy with that. Look, um, Sweet. Okay, so hopefully there'll be less of a gap between this and the next episode Indeed. unless life gets in the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for bearing with us and uh, thank you as always for all the, the lovely feedback that we have had on the Depeche Mode uh, episode and thank you to Rich Wilson once again for joining us on, on that. That was a lot of fun to record. Yeah, so thanks, guys, for joining us as ever. Uh, we will be back soon. Um, follow us on socials. They're all in the uh, in the outro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from me, Dave Fensom. From me, Chris DeGreer. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, see you later next time, collaborators. Nice one. Cheers. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.